how in the world am I unable to get, like you said, 75% loan to value on this place for 400K? That makes total sense. Meanwhile, somebody in Ontario is getting 80% on a place for $2 million and the rent is four grand a month. Like it mm-hmm. makes no sense. But it's because it's alternative lending where they're being able to paint a picture, create the story, and understand the situation. And so out of an interest of helping to hopefully grow that industry here as well. And and as the market expands here, it's, it's going to be needed. And it'd be nice to be there to be able to provide when, it. When, when, when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. All right, let's dive into it here. We've got a familiar face back in the studio. This is Master Keys Podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Neil. So we're talking about a bunch of things like uh, real estate, investing, growing wealth. Um, yeah. This is an episode about how to take your business kind of to the left, next level in a lot of ways. And using private lending to get there. And we'll let Ryan introduce himself because he's been here before. You guys probably remember his face. And I think a lot of you guys like that episode. And you probably got some reach outs. Definitely. Looking yeah. for yeah. some money and some advice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first off, thanks for having me back, guys. Really appreciate it. I had to ask, am I like officially a friend of the show now? Coming uh, back, so I think you're officially a co-host. Yeah. You're, you're a two-timer. We'll get your special jacket, like hosting us. He is the it. first two-timer. I think so. Yeah. No, I think my, no. I think our guy Igor's twice. been yeah, on. Yeah, hasn't he? Yeah. Twice? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was near the start. Yeah. No, I appreciate it though, guys. So yeah, so you know, we want to talk private lending today. So here I am. You know, we've chatted about this before, but uh, any questions you guys may have, happy to go through it. And yeah. We wanted to start with maybe Chandler and I explain some of our experiences, um, just simply so people can see that, like, I think there's a weird idea around private lending, which is that it's like only for people who have gone bankrupt, or if you're in a really bad position, then you go with private lending because there's no other option. Um, but then you come to find out that there's actually a ton of reasons why you go with private lending, and and we're going to talk about those. We kind of have our top four, but I'll, I'll explain my experience uh, for people just to kind of break that ice. So when I started, I was fresh out of university, I become a realtor, and I had done some duplexes and triplexes here and there, but I wanted to scale to my first true multi-unit. And the one that I was looking at purchasing was completely vacant. It had been burnt, like literally caught on fire, and two or three units had been literally burnt to a crisp. Um, And so it had no heating source, it was boarded Mm. up, the whole shebang. And so there was a bunch of reasons there where a bank is just going to laugh me out the door. First of all, I'm fresh out of university with really nothing to my name, um, except for a town payment. Uh, my income is not standardized. It's not bi-weekly by any means, especially because yeah. I'm starting my career. It's probably... Your two-year bi- average was not looking yeah, good. It's, it's a bi-annual paycheck. Um, and then when you look at the actual asset, it's burnt to a crisp, does not have a heating source, is completely vacant, so there's no cash flow coming in. And so a bank's going to look at all these things and be like, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag no chance in the world that you're getting approved. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, what was actually taking place, so I was getting an asset for way under market value with a ton of upside. It needed a bunch of work, but we had a budget for that. And even once the work was done, there was more than enough value left in that property to refinance, pay somebody out, and kind of move forward. Um, and so that was where I was introduced to private lending and basically the idea that, look, you can you can pitch your story. And so... First, we brought the property with appraisals of what it was worth in the sitting space to confirm that it, I was at least getting a good deal. Then we were showing what the end value was. And then we also put together a package on me showing like my credit, because credit score is still, is still a merit and has value in this case, um, where some of my income had come from, where the down payment had come from, and then also my experience. And so I was an engineer, and so that was something that we also submitted that like I do have a background in managing construction projects. It's not like my first Hail Mary. I had done some duplexes and triplexes. So I built a little resume that would be relevant for somebody who's looking at lending. 
Um, and so by doing that, we were able to get it approved. Ryan, Ryan actually under underwrote it at that, 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 that time for me. Um, and uh, it worked out to be a great project for me. I got that, that building done. Numbers came out even better than expected. Got a refi, paid them out and moved forward. And then learned from that lesson that that's something that can be used to purchase a lot of assets that don't cash flow. Like there's there's a lot of properties now that we see, almost all multi-units, they don't really cash flow if they're old stock, but they have a ton of upside. And again, banks are not willing to look at that upside until it's it's realized, but you can kind of skip that. And so my experience was it allowed me to, to buy a bit more aggressively and get into projects that were just kind of ugly. And then I put in the work to make them nice and, and move forward. So I use it a lot. It allowed me to scale very, very quickly. Um, and... And then the big thing for me too was was speed for for money. I took some some more prime lending, we'll call it, let's say AB uh, lending, and getting the money was always three to six weeks to get a draw. And honestly, I think I averaged probably three days with the private lending that you guys offered me. Um, so that's that's my experience. I'm I'm, I'm a yeah. huge uh, advocate of it now. Before I would, would have been super rate sensitive and afraid and not understanding the model, but it, it made a ton of sense. And we'll talk about it a little bit in a little bit more detail here. But even the costs ultimately aren't as brutal as you might think. But Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people have this uh, fear of, of private lending or the stigma associated with it. And then they watch these reality shows and where people are flipping homes and like, oh, and we have a hard money loan and we have mm-hmm. this, which effectively all these shows that helped start the millennial real estate investor yeah. revolution are all people online dealing with private money, flipping homes effectively in, in the States. And... Uh, me personally, I, I hadn't used private money for for quite some time, but it was more an instance where I had a couple really good deals at times where I just didn't have the liquidity, but I'm like, my gosh, the deal is too good to pass up. And in fact, the deal is so good in and of itself that um, there should be a way to effectively buy the property almost with 0% down yep. or you know, have a, a, a plan where I could do much of the work and get it turned over in a quick period and effectively have zero money out of my pocket when I was finished, but the bank couldn't see it. Or they had a policy of like, yeah, we get it. The problem is we can only finance you on the purchase price. So because you bought it for $250,000 under asking price, which effectively is 33% under value, you know, that's great, but we unfortunately can't realize any of that value. We can still loan only 75% of what you agreed to buy it for. So I had a very specific deal like that where, I was purchasing a property and it appraised for 50% more than I bought it. So effectively, I, bad. I have a purchase price that where the purchase price to value was 67%. And so I'm like, my gosh, well, I'm good. I've got 33% equity mm-hmm. in the deal. I should be way ahead. But still, my main lender was saying, that's all fine and good, but we can still only finance you 75% of your amount. asking price. So effectively, they were willing to finance just over 50% of this project. And it was a time where I was tied up with another project. So in order to make that deal happen, I effectively went with private lending because I could paint for them the picture. They're more concerned about the value as opposed to the purchase price and you know value as is and the value as complete. And the numbers were just so glaringly obvious. And it became the difference of, do I get the deal done or do I not? Or rather, do I you know, struggle to find this down payment or do I create a way where I don't have to take any money out of my other projects, any money out of my pocket, delay any other projects and just do it through this private lending source. And what it comes down to is, is you just start to understand the numbers. It's like, okay, so 
maybe my rate difference is maybe it's, it's six or even 8%. And on a loan amount, that's maybe $300,000. It's like, well, damn. So that means the difference is 18 to $24,000 on, on a specific project. But then you realize, well, what's the opportunity cost of not doing that deal? Well, I just said off the top, you know, I was getting it for $250,000 less than what it was worth. Mm -hmm. Am I willing to pay in this instance, it might've been $28,000 or something in order to get $250,000 of equity. Yeah. I think that makes, makes sense. So, um, it's a very opportunistic thing. And to your point, um, it's flexible. It can also be very fast, which allows you to take advantage of certain deals and and so on. So that's us kind of telling our, our personal initiation to these products, but now we can maybe get into more Summary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both you guys outlined really strong examples for what we would look for in a private lending client. I mean, Neil, maybe not always for (laughs) burnt down properties, but if you've got the equity in the properties or in multiple properties, we can make it work. Private lending in a nutshell, it's common sense, short-term lending. That's what we're looking for, right? Like that. And, you know, you want to be looking at it for renovation loans where you're, you know, taking three to six months to do a renovation and you kind of get in you do your renovation, you get out, right? Or in Chandler's example, where you can fully leverage that equity in the property where the bank is, you know, there's not as much common sense from the bank. I think we can say that, Um, you know, if you can lend it based on the purchase price or the appraised value being much higher, then that's something you can take advantage of. We'll go look at the property if it makes sense. If it seems realistic that 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 value is going to be there, that's something we're going to want to lend on. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I want to mention is if you're listening to this, like I don't totally know what private lending is. I think it's worthwhile you check out our previous episode when Ryan came on because we started a bit more grassroots there and really worked our way up. Um, and this might be, again, I think we're doing a refresher here to just kind of show some of the benefits of it. We'll try um, to link to that. Maybe in the YouTube video, we'll, we'll, we'll put a link to it uh, yeah. so people know the previous episode. And then the other reason for the episode is we have an exciting announcement. Um, and that is Ryan and I uh, have partnered with a third person as well, Zach Muir, uh, to create our own private lender. Um, it's called Keystone Capital. And so I'll let Ryan introduce it. I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, super excited. Yeah. Um, and, and thank you guys for for allowing us to come on this platform to, to talk about it. But uh, like Neil mentioned, you know, we've got to know each other really well the last couple of years and uh, saw an opportunity to take advantage of this with our good buddy, uh, underwriter extraordinaire, Zach Muir, as you mentioned. <laughs> Um, and, and really, you know, we're not recreating the wheel here, but what we are doing is targeting, you know, the real estate investor. That's who we want as a client. Um, you know, Neil, you mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes there's that stigma around private lending where people are, you know, damaged credit or past bankruptcy, you know, there's some scenarios that that stuff will be something we look at, but typically we're looking for people who want to work in real estate, want to build that rental portfolio. Yeah. Um, so that's really what we're looking for. So in a nutshell, again, we're a short-term private lender, um, Atlantic Canadian focused. So lending across the four Atlantic provinces, we're fully licensed. Um, and you know, we're here to support those investors and, uh, and the broker network in Atlantic Canada. Would you like a loan? Um, I will say too, like, I think what, like what kind of what inspired myself and I think you're in a similar boat is just like looking at. Like Atlantic Canada, in a lot of ways, is underserviced in almost every industry. Um, and then when you look at Ontario, I see and I hear what people are doing up there and where they're able to be aggressive within the market. And there's a lot of alternative lending options that allow them to do that. Because if you think about the valuations... With then, better rates, too. With better way. rates, exactly. And just when you think about the valuations and, and everything that goes on there, it's like, how in the world am I unable to get 
like you said, 75% loan to value on this place for 400K. That makes total sense. Meanwhile, somebody in Ontario is getting 80% on a place for $2 million and the rent is four grand a month. Like it mm-hmm. makes no sense. But it's because, again, they're, they're also doing the same thing up there, but it's alternative lending where they're being able to paint a picture, create the story, and understand the situation. Um, and so out of an interest of helping to hopefully grow that industry here as well, and, and as the market expands here, it's, it's going to be needed, and it'd be nice to be there to be able to provide it. So that yeah. was kind of an inspiration, and, and in my sense, uh, on why I wanted to do it, I always found finance really interesting. So this is kind of like a nice, easy step into that into that world, yeah. um, kind of natural progression too, because I've borrowed so much private money. <laughs> I feel like it's time to spin the spin the table. Yeah, absolutely. And from my perspective, you know, just having experience in this industry over the last several years, uh, you know, getting know, to know the broker community and guys like yourself in Atlantic Canada, uh, and just the need for it. Like Chandler, you mentioned, you know, the hard money bankers in the United States. Right, this is such a developed industry down there where it's normal to seek a private loan to get a project done. Right, and even in Ontario now, we see it. There's tons of private lenders there. Um, it's okay. still relatively underdeveloped in Atlantic Canada. Um, Very much I've so. seen it. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's huge opportunity here and that stigma is really starting to go away. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of all in a nutshell led us to, you know, making this decision to go ahead and, and start uh, Keystone. Exactly. So you can check out the website, keystonecapital.ca. Keycap.ca. Keycap.ca. Yeah, sorry. We're still working on it. Keycap.ca. Um, it'll be up by the time this goes live yep. and, uh, yeah, so take a peek there and, and touch base. But now we're going to actually get into some of the benefits of private lending not just at Keystone, any private lender on average, this is why you're going to them. Um, and I think the first one that we had on there was speed. Um, and I alluded to it earlier, but there's a bunch of different aspects to this. And the first, and I think everyone can relate to this, is when you're buying a property, like the bank, first of all, it takes a ton of time for them to review your documents and give you an approval. But then they also have like an expectation for closing to be a certain time frame. It's to the point of like, I literally, the phone call I was on as I walked into the studio was someone who's like, Hey, so closings in seven days and the bank just said they need like an extra two and a half weeks. And the meeting we had this morning was about how another bank flat out just emailed back and said like, we're not even going to be able to look at this. We can improve them and we want to do this deal, but we can't even look at this for how many ever weeks, which their due diligence is going to pass and they're not going to be able to make a deal there. And so that's a really shitty place to be in where you're like, I have all my stuff in order to make a deal here. And the only reason I'm getting denied is literally just capacity and speed that you guys are willing to work at or able to work at. Yeah, we talk a little bit about that there could be opportunities here in the marketplace, um, but the way you can move quickly on them is if you could say offer a seller, well, we can close in two and a half weeks mm-hmm. or, or three weeks. Yeah. And we all know that it takes a good amount of time to get our own due diligence done on a project, but assuming you have appraisals and environmental, like you can go to a private lender and they can turn that sucker around super quick, whereas a conventional lender doesn't even start looking at the file until they have everything. So if it takes you three weeks to look to get everything together, that's when they start looking at the file and you're probably conservatively another three weeks from there. So you're kind of a six week window and then probably another three weeks to advance. So best case scenario, you're a nine week closing. And if you're really trying to get it, you know, take advantage of, a, of an opportunity, telling a seller like, hey, it's nine weeks and worst case, we might extend to 12 weeks. That's not going to get them all, you know, Fired keyed up, up yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly it, Chandler. I mean, we, we like you said, if you have the appraisal up front, you know, that's huge. That allows us to act very quickly. Um, you know, residential properties, we usually don't even need an environmental study. We're yeah. typically, typically yeah. talking, you know, property taxes up to date, maybe some bank statements to confirm you can service the loan, and we're ready to go. We'll issue a commitment, same day, finance within a couple days. So, you know, speed is, you know, definitely one of the key drivers for reason to use private lending. 
And one example that I, I, you know, like to think that, you know, this audience is probably going to be, you know, thinking about as well is, you know, off market opportunities as well, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have yeah. an opportunity to purchase a place and you may be getting that, you know, five, 10% below market value or even more. But the seller says, I need you to close this next week mm-hmm. or within two weeks, right? Or it's going back on the market. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another key opportunity to, to look at private lending. And then the nice one it, for me was construction draws. If you're in a construction project, right. like speed of that, yeah. the speed of that, I, I've, I've worked with A lenders and B lenders and they require cost consultants and appraisal checkoffs and they want like this huge slew of material um, and then they want all the receipts and then they want to review that, which they go through their same review process, which I don't know if it's a mixture of that the advisors at these banks are just so slammed or that there's so many tiers of people that have to review it that that takes a couple weeks. And then once they approve the financing, then like the funds have to be transferred to their lawyer, which takes, it seems like three to five business days. Mm-hmm. And then they seem to take another couple days because they, they then re-review it and then they decide to release it. Um, and so like on average, I think anytime I've gone with them, it's been like a three week turnaround, which I've learned to, to cope with in some ways where I'm like, I request it way in advance before I'm really ready for it because I know it's going to take that long to get there. And by the time they ask for how much completion I'm at, I'm like, Oh, we've moved forward 10% since I requested. Um, but again, I, I said it earlier, but, I've had draws as quickly as 24 hours. Like I, I've had where I call both lawyers and I'm like, hey guys, I need a favor here. Can you guys turn this over really quick? Because that's usually the biggest delay is honestly, like you said, the, the, you, uh, the lender is ready for it. Um, there's way less layers to go through. There is one singular person that can underwrite it and then pass it on and be like, yep, cash is being released and it's getting sent out to you. And then most private lenders, again, where speed is so important, they're going to call their lawyer and be like, turn this thing over as, quack, as, as quickly as you can and get it out to them. Yeah, speed is our business at the end of the day, right? So yeah. we have to continue doing that for our borrowers. And there's there's a monetary value to that because your contractors, you might get delays on site and additionally, like stress level. That's where, yeah. that's the merit I find. The stress level of just having people chasing you down is, is brutal. Also a lot of lenders have requirements like they may be like, okay, yeah, we'll loan you, we'll do a construction draw for $300,000, uh, but we only want to make it in three installments. It's like, damn, so like I've got to be floating a hundred thousand bucks, eh? You know, and to your point, so you, you reach that threshold, like, okay, I'm ready for the first hundred thousand dollars. You go, you ask for it. It takes, say, maybe three weeks to get to you. Yeah. And in the meantime, there's another fifty thousand dollars worth of renovations just completed. So now you've got people asking for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You still don't even have the initial hundred thousand dollars. And and you're trying to float this out of pocket. Um, so there's some flexibility even with the delivery. Uh, of the advanced funds and and how often they can be sent and, and all that good stuff. The other thing, and I guess we're going to kind of maybe transition here into, into flexibility, um, which is the number two kind of feature that that's advantageous to, to private lending, is if someone's looking to do something smaller, everyone knows about the purchase plus improvements, right? Like if you're looking to flip a property, you're like, okay, I'm getting this thing for a great deal. I'm buying it for 300. I know the end product could be worth like 600,000. I just need to spend 120 to get there. The problem is a lot of lenders will say, well, they'll cap their purchase plus improvements at 10% of the purchase price or like 60 grand. So you bought that place for 300,000, you know, you can make it worth 600, but the bank will only give you 30 or maybe $60,000 to do the project. And they won't give you the money until the entirety Mm -hmm. of the project is done. Mm -hmm. And that's just not going to work. So again, you're in a situation where you've got this opportunity, you believe in it, but you can't get it financed. And so the question once again becomes, do I pay the higher interest rate to actually get it done? If I know the upside is potentially $180,000, yeah, I'll pay the difference in interest, which 
you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a fraction of that. Yeah. So flexibility is, is the big one. You highlighted that too with your initial project where it was a literal burned out building. And then my situation where they were able to say, well, the rule says we only finance per, based on the purchase price, but that doesn't actually make sense. So let's finance based on the appraised value of the property. That is flexibility. Yeah, 100%. What's it, what are they usually looking for to be able to give that flexibility? Like what? Yeah, so so like I mentioned, the documentation, we call ourselves document light, right? So yeah. we're looking for, like I said, the appraisal, yeah. a couple other pieces, you know, yeah. not to the level that the bank's going to be at where they're breathing down your neck for every, every last document. Um, income as well. Huge flexibility on that. Yeah. Um, experience as well. Like I know you mentioned as well that, you know, yeah. you've got the engineering experience, but, um, you know, real estate investors who have done it before, who have other rental properties, that's great. But at the same time, we will lend to people who are inexperienced as well. We may just, you know, scale back our loan to value a little bit more for the first time through. And if they've proven themselves at 65 or 70% LTV, then maybe we go 75% loan to value on the next time we do a project with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, I guess, yeah, you've already kind of talked about it a bit, but flexibility is, is again, so, so important because some of the best deals are the most obscure. Yeah, but also the flexibility on the loan to value is something you kind of glossed over there, but that's a real thing too, right? It could More be that, you, now than ever. That, that you've got a, a first position lender who's like, yeah, like we'll do the deal to 67% loan to value. Right. It's like, okay, well, now I've got to come up with all of my supposed renovation money that I was going to have. I've got to now put that down as my part of my down payment. I have to come up with 33% instead of my plan 25%. Yeah. Um, where's that going to come from? And again, that's where a private could step in and say, not only can we bridge that gap, but we can also front you the money for some renovation as well, knowing that you've got an as complete that will pay us out and there's a clear cut plan there. Yeah. And like you said, Chandler, like source of down payment is another thing that we're super flexible on. Um, and just leveraging the equity that you have in your properties. Like we can go hundred percent financing on a new purchase if you have enough equity in, you know, property B that you're willing mm-hmm. to let us leverage as well. Yeah. I actually use that once. Yeah, yeah, you guys did that for me once where you're like, there's a ton of equity in this last property. I don't want to go through a full refinance on that right now. This is a new project. So we just use the equity in there to get the next one closed. And then I got that project done and refied out. And I never had to refi the original the original property. And I think it's funny, we're saying all these things kind of anecdotally. Like, oh, here's an example, or there's an example. I think what someone listening to this should take away is, like, sell the business case. Like, if you have something that actually holds water, that actually makes sense... Yep. That's what the flexibility is. Yep. You pitch it and, you know, we're going to get to the relationship side of things as well, but you have this level of comfort as well that you're dealing with Ryan specifically or yep. Zach specifically that, you know, they're going to look at your file, look at you, look at the project and decide on the merits of all of that. Is this a go or not? They're not going to be thumbing through a rule book that is sent from corporate head office and they don't know you, they don't know the location of the property, they don't know anything about it, they don't care what you're planning to do with it. If it doesn't tick the boxes, they're not going to do it. Um, it's a very different approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to your point, I mean, with us, equity and exit are key, meaning exit strategy, but the story really matters at the end of the day, right? So if it makes sense from the client's perspective, they've outlined exactly what they're going to do, given us that comfort level that we want to partner with them, chances are we're going to go ahead with something like that. Yeah. So I think we've seen speed. We've seen flexibility. Committed. That's number three on our Number three list. for us was interest-only servicing. Yeah. So oh, debt yeah. servicing. Um, 
I mean, you can explain that. Yeah, I mean, guys, this is just this is really uh, a cash flow thing, right? Yeah. For you, you know, managing through a project. So interest only payments obviously means you're only paying, you know, interest on a monthly basis. Yeah. But what that also means is that you're not paying principal. So that keeps your, you know, your payments in in line with typically where you'd be at a traditional institution paying principal and interest, right? This Here's was I had this harsh realization to keep giving examples. I refied out a bunch of private money. And I went to a seven percent rate because that's where commercial rates are now. And you're all excited. You're like, yeah, but it's like, like I'm sweet cash rate, flow. But let's go. And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I was only paying interest. Before. I was only paying interest for, and my payment marginally changed. I might have even gone up, to be honest. Um, and so that was a very disheartening thing. And now you're seeing a lot of people that end up actually holding private for an extended period of time. Yeah. I was with a, a land developer yesterday, and he's like, yeah, like I have had private loans on a couple pieces of land for the last three years he's like we don't intend to pay it off because really the parking income that generates covers it the banks aren't willing to step in on it mm-hmm. um and it doesn't really make sense at this point anyways because we're gonna get a lower loan to value the rate's gonna go up the payment's gonna be the same and we're gonna kind of be in the same spot and it's a, it's a ton of work and they're also way more cumbersome to move around or have that flexibility or be able to have that conversation with just to sort of um unpack that a little bit for people who maybe are confused with what you're talking about there when you're paying back a conventional lender, obviously you're making the interest payment and you're making the principal payment. When you have a private, you do not have to make a principal payment. You can just make the interest component. So that can keep your monthly payment down during the period that you're doing the project. And we all know that cash flow matters a lot, especially say if you're vacating a property or you have a lot of other bills coming out. So just paying the interest only can keep uh, your figure your monthly expense down quite a bit. You also have some options where you could do a deferred lump sum interest payment at the end of the loan. So in fact, as you're going through the project, you could pay no interest. You could have no cost whatsoever of carrying this debt. It's just when you do your exit, the the interest will be um, tacked on at the end. So imagine you're doing a project, you've got all these expenses as it is, and now you don't actually have a monthly debt carrying expense as well. That might be the difference of five, six... $7,000 $7,000 a month that you don't yep. have to spend carrying the debt. Um, you can continue to get the project done. Of course, you pay it on the back end, but we all know that cash flow matters so much when you're doing these projects. Yeah. yeah. And, and the scenario you outlined there, Neil, where someone may, you know, keep that private financing longer term, you yep. know, that has to be the right fit for us. Typically, we're of looking course. for stuff that's short term. But the scenarios that do arise where that makes sense, another advantage of using it is that our loans are typically fully open, right? So if you do have cash coming in where you want to pay that down a little bit, there's no penalties to do so. It's almost like a line of credit in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And yeah, I just in general, I've seen I've seen people do that uh, where they where they've carried carried it for an extended period of time, especially now where rates are up so high. I think some people are like, you know what, I'll bite the bullet for the next year or two until rates come down a bit, and I can I can pull it off. I also want to add in there just as like a mindset thing, and this is how I always did all my budgeting, is you have your property cost, you have your renovation cost, your interest cost needs to go in there. I think when you're a lot of smaller projects, you kind of just ignore it. Like you just take the mortgage and whatever the mortgage cost is, whatever. As you start to scale the size of project, whether you're doing prime lending or private lending, you need to put it in there. But the best way to know if you're going to be in a safe spot is like, okay, I'm going to buy this place for 500000 I'm going to spend 500000 I'm going to be into it for a million bucks. That means I'm going to borrow 800000 or $750,000 privately. I'm probably going to be in it for 12 or 18 months. These are the rates. What does that equate me to? Okay, I spent seventy grand on banking costs. Add that into your reno. So now your reno is $570,000. Is it still worth it for you to do it? Yeah. Right, And probably round it up. So it's $600,000 to your reno. 
And so that's a really good way, I think, to manage it because I know when I started, I kind of ignored the cost, the carrying cost. I really did, right? And then once you blend it in, it's a lot easier to be like, "Mm, I don't know if I'm super key on this project or as projects have gotten tighter, you're like, I have to get this done within a certain period of time. I don't think that's a great place to be at if you have like a really short timeline, but it also tells you like, I only have six months to do this. And then after that, I start kind of losing my base margin that I want to have. Um, our, yeah, yeah we touched a little bit on, uh, so we've got speed, we've got flexibility, we've got the, again, which is kind of a flexible component, but the, the debt servicing component of it. And the last one I alluded to is the relationship, um, the kind of intimacy of the deal, not to sound creepy, but the fact <laughs> yeah. that you are, Ryan hit, comes over for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, <laughs> want, you gotta want and dine them a little yeah. bit. Um, but the fact that someone is specifically looking at you and specifically looking at your project and judging it on its own merits rather than, you know, a, a user manual that the bank has. This, I, I think you can really explain a lot better because yeah. this, this is, you've been the relationship, like you have been for all of the deals. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of goes three ways. I mean, we've got relationships with our broker partners, we got relationships with our investors, and we've got relationships with our borrowers, your repeat borrowers yeah. at least, right? So, and those are integral, right? Like, obviously, we want to have trustworthy broker partners who know, you know, what products we're using, so they can then in turn sell those to their clients as a as a good solution. Yeah. Um. You know, with our investors, kind of a no brainer here. But I mean, you know, we want to show them that we we're running a successful business and it's an excellent investment opportunity. And with the borrowers, like you guys alluded to as well, I mean, you know, you want someone to continue partnering with you on these projects and and see that that flexibility and that speed and that cash flow management is all there. Yeah. And those are all great reasons to go and 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 seek out that next project. 100%. Um, I don't have much to add because I think we've talked about it a bunch of times throughout this conversation. But again, the, the relationship to me was so key where versus I feel like I borrow massive sums of money from some of the big banks. And like, I don't have anyone I can just pick up and call. Like, it's yeah. just yeah. so yeah. brutal. Like, whereas we had a texting relationship yep. and like, it was just so much easier to be able to make things happen versus like, I'm like chasing people around. I'm calling emailing there's no answer i find i feel like 50 percent of the time i send an email i get an auto email back that people are on vacation and like or okay, that so-and-so is no longer in this role or so-and-so yeah. is yeah exactly yeah. there's so much like bounce around and so exactly over the last couple of years i feel like i've been working with multiple people on the same loan or like i get a random email for a renewal from someone else and it's like what is going on like the previous person i talked to knew where i was trying to go with this business and with my with my loan and now i'm trying to re evaluate that with you and you're not saying the same thing but he's no longer doing it or she's no longer doing yeah. it. you know what i mean and so it was it was just so nice feeling like the if almost like you're part you're part of my project yep do you know what i mean yep. it wasn't like you were like a partner yeah you guys are a partner in the project and it wasn't like you were looming over it like we're taking your project it's like we want to see this thing through you're you're in the business of getting the money out and getting it back you yep. don't you're not like you're not looking we're not looking our cash exactly yeah. you're recycling cash we you're not looking to assume the property, which is another thing that I think there's a bit of a stigma around private lending is that they're out to to get you. And I think there probably are some private private lenders that are like, we're talking guys off the street that are lending money out that might have a different alternative. Not a great strategy. Yeah, not a great strategy. It might have an alternative motive. Um, but when you're working with a, a private lender institution, that is never the business model. They, they do not want to get your property back. No, they want yeah. to see your project through. Yeah. And just to go back to your point about relationships again, Neil, I mean, you know, we're not having to call head office in Toronto to yeah. make a decision and waiting a week for that turnaround, right? Like yeah. you can call us directly, you know, email us. We're going to, we're going to get back to you immediately on something like that. Or we'll go even meet you, meet you face to face to face, meet you at the project site or whatever we need to do. Yeah. Uh, we're partners and you know, we're local here. A hundred percent. I also just, just to 
to mention some clarification, you're also not um, competing with these um, primary lenders, and you're not competing with other independent mortgage brokers. In fact, you're sort of um, a partner with them to, to some degree because yeah. the, when the project goes successfully, it moves on from the private lender to a more conventional lender. Yep. Um, and so it's not like you're trying to hoard business away from the major banks uh, or even the independent broker channels. It's you are a solution that fits everyone's needs. So it's an independent broker would direct a client to you guys to yep. facilitate something that they cannot do through a conventional bank with the whole idea in mind of, okay, let's get this across the finish line in six months and then take it to that conventional lender, yep. at which point you kind of step back once again and the broker picks it up again and it goes to the, the bank. So it's not an either or, it's kind of a us now, them later approach. Absolutely. And and in fact, Chandler, uh, mortgage brokers are, are critical to the success of our business. And you know they're the ones who are bringing the leads in with their clients and Get, building that strategy with them as well that you know once you're done this project in six months or 12 months i'm going to be able to refinance you at x or y right mm -hmm. and, and here's the steps we're going to do over the next year and here's the steps we're going to follow over the next five years right so we really want that broker to be part of these deals to help advise those clients yeah makes sense and i'm gonna add on that and this is what we haven't talked about at all but like the negative side of private lending and that would be if you or your broker doesn't help you create a strategy for an exit Right. And so that's kind of what we've been alluding to here with a couple different items. But what I mean by an exit is you need to have a way to pay back the private, whether it's a refinance or selling of the property. You need to comfortably be able to do that because you don't want to get in a position. You will see sometimes where people will kind of take the private lending because it's an easy button, but they never consider like, how am I going to get this paid back? Right. In, in the short order, because typically mm -hmm. you're not taking these for 25 years. You're taking these for maybe a year. Um, and so making sure that you have that in place, your broker can help you with that. Um, most private lenders, including ourselves, would want to try and work with you to make sure that you have an exit. Like that's a very crucial part to getting your loan approved and funded is seeing an opportunity for again for us to get the dough back yeah. and for you to keep moving in your project. That's that's part of our due diligence is is, is yeah. having a secure exit strategy. So that'll be something that Zach looks at on every single deal. You yeah, know, making sure Zach's a former broker. Uh, he's been an underwriter a long time. He knows when to call BS. Yeah. <laughs> so he's looking for a legit exit strategy on every single deal. A couple stretched appraisals here and there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's also you know the that's to everyone's advantage if if. If you're dealing with a private lender who's not scrutinizing the exit strategy, you don't actually want to work with them because yep. they want they, to be the they, exit they strategy. Need, well, they need to have a, a vested interest in, and a belief um, to get you off of their products. And that's what you should want as well as the person owning the property. The other thing is, it is private money made up of investor funds. The investors do not want to own your property. <laughs> they don't want you guys to send them a statement like, oh, here's our quarterly statements. Mm -hmm. Good news. We didn't get any money back, but we own this building now, <laughs> right? They're going to be like, that is not what they that's signed not, up for, right? Yeah. So again, <laughs> that's know. the difference between a, um, you know, a le legitimatized private lender versus, to your point, some guy who's like, yeah, I'll give you some money, yeah, but I may want yeah. your property more than I want anything else, so... Yeah. yeah, I'll just reinforce that point from an investor perspective. You know, we see this as a very secure investment. You know, we've got an asset in every single deal. We're lending at lower loan to values to protect that investment. Um, our default rate, we, we anticipate being very low. And, you know, we do our due diligence, like I said, on every single deal. 100%. And I think, I think that wraps most of it up. I think we have a little ask we want to make having explained all of this. 
Um, and I can say it on, on, on the investor side. Uh, we've alluded to that a few times. Some of you guys are probably like, what do they mean by investors? And at the end of the day, this is a mortgage fund. Uh, and so that means that people can invest, you can invest in this fund, and we utilize, we then pay you a return on the money, uh, and we utilize that to go out and, and create the loans uh, and and give people mortgages. So if you have an interest in that or someone that you know might be interested in something like that, I can say we, we pay between 8 to 10%, depending on the the amount of money that, that gets committed and, and for how long. Um, and like I said, you, you're seeing now, Ryan's obviously very experienced in doing this. I am very experienced in, and I guess utilizing the money, but Zach is also extremely experienced in underwriting, uh, being a broker and understanding the business. And so we're, we're up and running and we would love to hear from you guys. If you are interested in investing, I think it's a, it's a safe, safe place to put your money and, and see a nice consistent return, especially where the market's going through a bit of a shift. And so maybe buying the, the asset with the potential of loss capital appreciation, it might be worthwhile looking at an alternative investment until the right deal pops up. Yeah, and just to reinforce that, Neil, I mean, I think it's a, it's a fantastic alternative investment. You know, if you look at the return of the TSX over the last decade, you know, we'd be about double that return for what we're paying investors. Yeah. And again, it is it is secured to real estate, right? And we're lending conservatively at lower loan to value. So in the scenario where we did have a, a borrower default, you know, we still have the opportunity to liquidate that asset and recoup all of our principal and interest. Yeah, and as as an investor, that's not going to be something that impacts your no, uh, dividend. They won't even dividend know. check. You'll never. That's not something. We that's what we exactly. We yeah. we handle that end of things. Um, so if you are interested and you want a bunch more info, uh, reach out to me. I can uh, I can give you the lowdown and we can we can go over everything so you can understand it and feel comfortable. Um, and then we're also obviously looking to to give out loans. Um, you can go direct, but oftentimes you'll probably come through your broker uh, to to get together your package, and we can we can review it and see if there's an option for us to to help out your project or whatever you need the money for. Yep, absolutely. So, right on. Thanks for coming back in. Good to yeah. see you as always. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks All for listening, right, guys. Awesome. Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out. Broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.